You're listening to The Weekly Brew with Austin Stepp, Jeremy Paxton, and Hunter Atkins. It's time to sit back, relax, and be informed. Welcome to episode 136 of The Weekly Brew Podcast. My name is Austin Satin, joined alongside a newly engaged Jeremy Paxson, and you might have heard Hunter and I tease it on last week's podcast, but now we have the man, the myth, the legend in studio this week, returning back from Washington, D.C. Uh, Jeremy, how's life been the last week and a half for you? Yeah, I've been like a deer in the headlights, but <laughs> it's been pretty great. Um, did so, you get hit? Uh, I did. I got I got hit with uh, hit with the engaged in, in, engaged car, vehicle, whatever, van. Um, Hopefully it wasn't painful. No, it wasn't. No, not just at all. Just on the pocketbook. It, was, it right? was great. Yeah, just in my pocketbook. Exactly. Um, yeah, so I, I did. I got engaged this past weekend. Uh, so not, you, not this weekend, but last yeah, weekend. Yeah, last weekend yeah. when Hunter yeah. and I were recording on Sunday night, uh, we actually released the episode on Tuesday, but uh, we had alluded to the fact that you were engaged. He gave some marriage advice to you, some engagement advice, and that advice was, don't forget about us. <laughs> so... Yeah, I, I'm. Uh, now that I'm engaged, you know, I just I don't need friends anymore. You know, that's yeah, totally. You just leave those behind when you get engaged. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, I definitely want to get into uh, the engagement process here in in, in just a few minutes. But uh, if you want to follow our work, just search Weekly Brewcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Also, subscribe to WeeklyBrewcast.com. Uh, just a few minutes, we're going to talk about Astros and just the the streaking. The fire uh, the, the club has gone on the road, going ten and zero uh, this past uh, you know ten games, uh, and then we'll also dive into you know the World Cup, a little bit of uh, Trump in North Korea. But uh, we've got to celebrate. I mean, this is this is something that doesn't happen often. A member of the podcast gets engaged. I mean, I think the last person was Zach Taylor, uh, but you know, but he's no longer part of the podcast. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if he was a part of the podcast and he technically got engaged. But I think I'm the first one. He he was in like eight episodes, right? Right. But but you, on the other hand, I mean, you're you're setting a new standard for co-hosts on the podcast. I mean, you were you you flew to Washington D.C. to make this go down. I mean, just what? Just give me the lowdown on when you finally decided. Because I know Kara, your fiance, has been waiting for this for months, arguably years. <laughs> <laughs> but no, all right. So that's actually a fair statement. I, I um, so I, I flew to I flew to DC. She had no idea where I was. I um, why was she in DC? She in DC on business. Okay, uh, she was there for a business trip. The company she works for had um a conference there for the first part of the week, and she she was leaving Friday to come back to Houston. But I got a hold of her boss, really cool guy. I really owe a lot to Ben, but he uh he changed her flight without her knowing, um and had her flying home the next day, Saturday instead of Friday. And so I flew up Thursday evening. I stayed with my aunt and uncle who live in Fairfax. Um, they had me there. And then I had been in talks with this place called the Phillips collection, which is the first art modern art museum in the country. Very classy. Uh, yeah. Well, Kara, for, for anyone who doesn't know, Kara is a huge, huge fan of art, huge modern art fan. And so, um, you know, one of her big things whenever we travel is to go to art museums. And I, I uh, reluctantly go because it's something she loves to do. I'm not the biggest fan, but I wanted to make it special for her. So anyways, I, um, of course, you know, getting all this together, I had to call them and get special permission to take pictures there and everything. It was kind of a process, but it all worked out in the end. 
Um, so did she have any idea? She has zero idea. She has zero idea. See, that's the best part. Yeah, it, it was it was great. She she said that she had a feeling the day that it happened that it something was going to happen that day. But I mean, as evidenced by our pictures, like she she was so she was so upset when I actually did it. <laughs> like in a good way. Like she was, like she was happy, but she, like so she didn't have her nails done. Let me, she didn't have her yeah, exactly. She didn't makeup. have any makeup on. She didn't have her nails done. Yeah, like none of that. She was she wasn't really dressed for it or anything. She had been wearing this bright pink T-shirt for the whole week. She looked like a camp counselor. <laughs> that day though, she was wearing like a black top. So she did sort of have a different get up on because she had a feeling something was going to happen. That's what she said. But anyway, so her boss. Um, last day of her trip sent her to the Phillips collection under the pretense that it was going to be something like she had a meeting with their events director and so she gets there little did she know you were playing the role of events director exactly exactly and so um i i showed up right when i was supposed to she showed up about 30 minutes early and she when i walked in there and saw what she i saw her in the main exhibit hall and i was like oh crap well i went ahead and i was like yeah i'm, I'm just gonna I walked up beside her, surprised her, and um, first thing she did, she kind of started crying and was like, can I change my shoes? <laughs> so she wouldn't change her shoes. She I, said that before she said yes? Yeah, or, or did yeah. She say, did she say yes before you asked the question? Uh, no. No, she didn't. Because I, I, didn't, I didn't ask yet. I just kind of because I was all dressed up you know for my part and um she's probably like what the hell are you doing in Washington exactly well yeah kind of she was she, she was surprised started kind of crying so I led her up to the Mark Rothko room at the Phillips collection there and proposed there and after that the photographer came in and we reenacted it all over the Phillips collection really bothered some of the people some of the <laughs> some of the hall monitors there that wanted to make sure that no one was having fun you ever seen those people in art oh, museums? Of course. Yeah, they they, they, the they sit there and they stare you down like you're about to go molest these priceless well, art. There was these... one museum that I've been to in which I think the uh, the monitors were actually very helpful, and that was in Greece when we went to. Uh, oh, gosh, what was the name of the museum that we went to? In Delphi. Not, not Delphi. It was in Athens. It was the Pantheon Museum, something like that. But the uh, you know the people working there would come up to you asking if you needed any help understanding you know the artifacts that were in front of you and i've never seen that sort of hospitality so you're telling me in dc it was inhospitable no 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 actually they they were pretty cool I, i'm i'm really taking my whole like my entire experience with people who the who like work in art museums who just like sit there i forget what they're <laughs> called but anyways yeah so they they were they were pretty hospitable the the, the staff they were actually really nice that the lady who does their events like she was in on the whole thing she helped me get through like i didn't have to pay to get to the museum awesome. like like they saw me and just like waved me in it was great so um overall though it was great we actually after our engagement we went to go meet with some of her coworkers, and then we went to the um the nicest hotel uh, next to where we were which was the trump hotel <laughs> actually uh <laughs> We went to the Trump Hotel. Was that intentional? Um, kind of halfway, yeah. So we, we went to the <laughs> went to the Trump Hotel. Uh, it's just we, we just he wanted does to, make a good hotel. He does, and it was a beautiful. It's actually uh, the the Trump Hotel in DC used to be an old post office. Yeah. If you haven't yeah. if you haven't been, it's a beautiful building. Um, but I thought it was funny. So you walk in there, right? And you know Trump doesn't have any control over his organization anymore. It's all run by his kids, allegedly. Yeah, alleged. Well, whatever. On paper, that's the way it is, but. <laughs> So you walk in there and we're kind of sitting at the bar in the bar area and he's got, and I say he, the, the hotel has CNN on one screen and then Fox on the other. 
So I just thought it was kind of funny the way that they when had that set Cena up. Let me get Cena was on the left, Fox is on the right. No, I thought it was reversed, actually. Really? Fox is on the left because and Cena was on the right. we have screens at work and Cena's on the left, Fox is on the right. And well, they that, say it's not intentional, but it totally... That would make sense. It wouldn't surprise me if CNN was paying uh, the, the hotel for them to show their channel there, because that that's be what hilarious. they do at airports. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's true. When, when you see CNN in airports, it's because they're paying the airport system there to have their channel on so all the TVs. So speaking of CNN, uh, I want to kind of jump subjects real quick. You know, congratulations on the engagement. Really, really happy for you and Kara. Can't wait for the festivities to begin in the next you know, a few months, year, whatever. Can't wait for the bachelor party. That's going to be epic. Uh, but CNN, I, I was actually watching it uh, this week uh, because Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un met in Singapore on Monday night in the U.S., Tuesday morning over in Singapore. And in CNN, they had a uh, interview with Dennis Rodman, who is the one guy who is connected to both Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un. And it was kind of funny because, it, well, it was surreal. You know, he's sitting there in, you know, the Marina Bay in Singapore conducting this interview. And he's wearing a potcoin.com t-shirt. He's wearing a Make America Great Again hat. And he is so emotional on television. It was just captivating. And I was just thinking, like, what the hell am I witnessing on TV right now? This is just insane. Not only is Trump meeting with arguably one of the most... Uh, he, he's worst really, dictators in the he, world. He's, but then you have this sideshow happening with Dennis Rodman. Let's, let's be very clear about something. I don't know how many, how much our listeners know about North Korea, but they run literal concentration camps in that country. If you were a political dissident, you are essentially put in a gulag. And, right. Uh, exactly. It, I mean, Kim Jong Un kills his political opponents. He kills including family his, members. his own family members. Yeah. And, and not only does he kill them, he puts them in front of like, you know, death squads. He he has you know, put out hits, poisoned family members traveling. I mean, it's, it, the guy is a monster. Yeah, no, there's, there's no doubt. I mean, he's, he, he's the, he's the one guy that if, if we're going to genuinely, you know, minus all the pop culture hyperbole around people bringing up Nazis and casual conversations he's about politics, he's, he's actually the, the one person in our, in our current, if we're looking at world leaders, he's probably the closest thing to Hitler or Stalin that we can get. So, uh, you know, so then, how do you, how do you feel about um, Trump meeting with Kim Jong Un? Okay, so my, I, I have my take, but I want to hear. I I had I was a little. I'll be totally honest. I was a little um, uncomfortable with all the flowery. I thought that seeing our flag up there next to the North Korean flag and some of the statements that Trump was making and just sort of praising praising him, I thought it was not a little o- not over only the top. right after. In that press conference, but even the days following when he had returned to Washington, D.C., right. he was still praising Kim Jong-un. I think that that's all a part of a negotiating tactic on Trump's end. I, th- I don't think... It can be used a massive propaganda. And it can be. And I, I, I totally... I, I see the the critics, I think, have a point in, in, in kind of highlighting some of this. But I think that, I think that Trump is aware uh, that... I think that we gave something up doing that meeting and having that meeting, especially because the document we got was essentially, you know, uh, it was a, a rehashing of things that they've already signed before and never followed through on. Um, That's kind of where I have issues. I think if North Korea denuclearizes, I mean, this is the start of a process. I think Trump's ace in the hole is Mike Pompeo, the State Department, or the, you know, the um, director of the State Department. Right. Um, I think he's... He's a savvy negotiator. I think that he is exactly the guy we need in the room with the North Koreans. He's been very 
hostile towards the north in some of his past rhetoric. Right. So I, I, I think I think he is the I think he's the right guy for that job because he's going to be the one actually following through and making sure that they, you know, that we get what we need out of that. I, I think Trump, you know, Trump had a presser after the right after the thing, and he it was about he, hour and twenty minutes. He had some self awareness about what had just happened, and so I, I think you know there there was one comment he made um, about not admitting you know a mistake, and I was like, well, at least he understands what he at least he understands that there is some gravity to what he's doing. Yeah, I think I think his exact words were something along the lines of, you know, we'll see how all this pans out in the next few months. You know, if I was wrong. Uh, I'm not going to admit, admit it. it. Right, exactly. But, I'm not going to admit yeah. it, but right. But he, he was at least leaving that door open that this could all be a charade by the North. Right. I think, I don't think we really gave anything up other than those military exercises. And that's, so, that's so really the exercises the only... are still going to continue, but not the war games. Right, so, right, right. The, right. The, right. The war games part is not, is not happening. So um, I don't really think we gave anything up to the North. If anything, it was a, if, if this doesn't pan out, it's a huge PR blunder. I think for the State Department, and it doesn't pan out. There's no way, and there's no way the Republicans keep their majority in 2018, and there's well, no way that Trump gets reelected. Well, we won't know. That's the thing is, you we really won't. And now, if North launches an, a te, you know a missile over Japan right. tomorrow, sure, yeah, you're, you're gonna you're gonna know this is a failure. But if if things things continue to, to simmer simmer down with the North, um, we're really not going to know for a couple of years what's what's happening i mean you have to remember reagan met with gorbachev and that was to some uh hostility within the democrats and certainly his own party so i mean we, we have a history of doing this stuff i i think i think really if the north ends up de- actually denuclearizing actually giving over their warheads or disposing of them i think then yeah uh kiss is but all you want because that's one huge um threat and particularly when it comes to nuclear proliferation right having one of those nukes end up in the hands of a terrorist yeah and and to me the crazy thing is so i'm not i'm not keen on making deals with terrorist states right and i'm gonna lump north korea into a terrorist state right george w bush back in what 2003 axis of evil axis of evil iran iraq uh north korea uh iran's still a problem uh north korea maybe is still a problem iraq you know you've got the isis and in in all of that It's, it's still an unstable democracy at this point uh but yeah, I, I consider me very skeptical. Uh, you know, I, I was not a fan of the Iran deal from uh, you know Barack Obama. I was not really a fan of meeting with uh, Cuba. Uh, I was not really a fan of the idea of Trump meeting with North Korea. But at the same time, I look at it. And a year ago, we had Mark Bowden on the podcast, right? And this was after tensions were extremely high last summer with the north right well just just remember a little fat rocket man right and, and, and <laughs> i mean that was what seven months ago right. eight months ago and mark bowden essentially laid out four options none of which were good the best of the worst options was essentially we just let north korea keep on doing what they're doing and hope nothing happens right and then all of a sudden this fifth option emerged here in the last three months and to me i think i think you have to credit the south i think you have to credit south korea a lot uh, for getting these negotiations open. And that was something that I was always skeptical of is, you know, when the South had, uh, you know, the political scandal about a year, two years ago, uh, President Moon had come out and said uh, that he wanted to normalize relations with the North. And I was like, I think this is a huge mistake, uh, you know, because Kim Jong-un ultimately wants unification, or at least in the past, he said that he wants unification of the Korean Peninsula under the leadership 
of the North, which clearly that's never going to happen. Right. Uh, just because of how economically advanced uh, South Korea and Seoul are at this point. But this whole thing, it's, it's, it's crazy. Well, you, and now, you, and now you have Shinzu Abe, uh, Abe from, Abe, um, yeah, 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 I don't know right. how to pronounce his last name from Japan. He's the prime minister is now wanting to meet with Kim Jong-un. So to me, it's going to be really interesting to see how conversations continue to go. It's, 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 it's a long process. Trump has allegedly <clears throat> invited Kim Jong-un to the white house. Uh, Kim Jong-un has allegedly accepted that invitation. So TBD on when that happens, but I think it's going to take talks from China, South Korea, Japan. I think Russia is also going to be involved in those talks as well. It's probably also going to take a few years for all Absolutely. this to really pan out. And something to remember about Kim Jong-un, you know, people don't, people don't, you don't really realize, I mean, he seems like a dictator and he is, but he you is. have to remember that North Korea has a, a, a few hundred oligarchs as well. Um, that and sort if of he run the country. With these oligarchs, he murders them. Well, he can, but then he also has to think that he could be a target as well from a coup inside his own regime. And I mean, this kid, remember Kim Jong Un went we, to. We say kid he, because he's literally our age. He was right. He was raised in Switzerland until he was about thirteen, and so. And that's the crazy thing. To I me, have because to think, when he took over power. I have to think that uh, on one hand, he might, he, this all might be a ploy and he might be a Kool-Aid drinker. You know, he drank the Kool-Aid from his dad and he's ready to make North Korea as bad as they can be. Or he's, or, or he can be like, you know what? I want to open up my country. And that, that was some of the hope when he first took over. Right. Well, I, 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 is that he was, he was Western educated, even with the Dennis Rodman going over there on what, two or three different trips for the basketball ambassador program or whatever, uh, you know, he likes Western ideals. Like he, he likes Western culture, uh, but he has this regime that he's trying to flex his muscle yeah. and show that he has his power. I want it's to little believe, man syndrome at its finest. I want to believe that he, even if he doesn't really believe any of that, he at least appreciates the results. Right. I mean, he, he, you know, I, I think it was interesting that Trump made a real estate pitch to him. Yeah. He talked about how, that. how, you know, how North Korea could have the best hotels Beautiful in the world. Beautiful beaches. Beautiful beaches. Well, uh, but, uh, but that's, you know, that's kind of, I mean, that's part of what we did with the Soviet Union. I mean, one of the reasons the Soviet Union fell apart was the introduction of, of television and people started seeing kind of what the rest of the world looked like and, versus and I, what. I, I am going to, I mean, to stop you here because I think that is a very, very important thing because generally speaking, whenever you see propaganda, that has come out from the north it is very anti-west it's very anti-america uh the propaganda video that they released it was like a 30-minute video following the summit between uh kim and trump and singapore and they were showing like the west they were showing the highlights of the west singapore like what modern cities look like and that's the propaganda they're using right now to show the north so to me i think that is a huge step in itself just normalizing Western society. Right. I, I think I think this guy, Kim Jong-un, he's 30, well, he's 31, 32 years old. He's 33, 34. 33, yeah. yeah he, so, he's young. All right, so he, he, he was born in the 80s, okay? This guy's got to be thinking, okay, I can I can keep up my, my despotic regime, I can keep doing all this, or I can normalize relations with the West and jet off to Paris for the weekend, you know, with his wife. I mean, the, the guy, the guy, I, I think that this guy might be on the verge of, of making a change, but he's got to be strategic the way he does. I don't know. This might all be a ploy. Who knows? It's but, certainly fascinating, but it, absolutely fascinating. Not quite as fascinating though, as what's been happening in Houston here. See what we do. The, we just, know, transitioned right? from, just, we just transitioned went, from engagement from, from to foreign internet. policy. And I know we were going next. 
the your your Houston Astros, your Houston Astros, your Houston Astros, probably the biggest news story I've certainly been a pay, being been paying attention to. Oh gosh, what last week we just did, they just right capped now. off an eleventh win against a terrible team, a team with the worst record in yeah. MLB right now. Yeah, Royals Kansas have City lost Royals. What, twelve or thirteen games. They're they're terrible. However, however, it's still worth noting that the Astros swept the Rangers. They swept the A's and now swept the Royals. They come home. This, and this is on the, the road. Rays. These are all road games. Right. Right. I mean, so this is kind of a big deal. And Evan Gaddis. And uh, Fuego. Huge part of that. Bat, batting has gotten it's, it's really hot. It's insane because a month ago. I was worried. We were, we were talking about Gaddis as whether or not he was even a fit for this team, that the Astros needed to find potential designated hitter at the trade deadline. Now he's got something like 22, 23 RBI in the in the month of June. He's got he's now in dub, double digit home run figures. He's hitting the ball extremely well. Even his outs are like hard outs, uh, you know, that are just line drives and bullets to the outfield. So he is swinging a great bat right now. And if he can continue hitting at or close to this clip, uh, I, gosh, the Astros' offense, which has struggled for so long this season. Is going to be in, in such a better place, and you look at the uh, the series as well. Your seven, eight, nine hitters for the series against the Royals did just phenomenal. Marwin Gonzalez is hitting over four hundred in the month of June. I mean, this is a team that went ten and zero on the road. They've won eleven straight games. They come home to pay the uh, Tampa Bay Rays, where they have uh, three studs going. You know, they they have uh, Garrett Cole pitching on Monday night. Verlander going on Tuesday night, Charlie Morton going on uh, Wednesday night. So they, it's just it keeps on going, and it's so important right now because you have the Seattle Mariners who have sort of exceeded their expectations this season. And you know they are right now they are only a uh, what a game game and a half out from the Astros, but they are the run differential. You know I don't I don't know that it's sustainable for them to continue at this place, but they're doing this all without arguably one of their best players in franchise history in Robinson Cano. But my gosh, the Astros right now, they have a better record at this point in the season than they did last year. I know. And that's, and it's funny because I've been worried all season, you know, about what is this team going to look like heading into the playoffs? Because if you watch those two series against the Yankees, you did not walk away with a whole lot of confidence. You're thinking, oh my gosh, this is it. We're just, we're just going to fall apart and we're just going to have a, uh, a middle of the road team heading into the the postseason, but it looks like um, this is this kind of looks like the Astros team that we saw last year in the playoffs. You know, yeah, the, the, the team that could compete against the likes of the Yankees and the Red Sox. Which, by the way, I mean the Yankees are on fire this, yeah, this Yankees, year. Yeah, Yankees, Red Sox, Mariners, Astros. Those are the four teams in the AL. I think all of them are separated by like two games. Right. Which is it? It makes for a really exciting summer. Hey, and and to the Dodgers' credit, if you're going to go down to the NL, I know there's only like five teams in that division. But um, they're 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 having a good they're having a good stretch here. Yeah, I, I mean absolutely. they they started out pretty terrible. And they started um, terrible last year as yeah, well. Right. So uh, you know it, it's baseball. It's summer. We know the, you know we know it doesn't really kick up until the trade deadline, August September down the stretch. But it's exciting time right now in Houston. And also you know last week on the podcast, uh, Hunter and I spoke about Dallas Keuchel and his struggles. And you know he had an atrocious start against the Mariners. He had an atrocious start against the Rangers. But he came out on Saturday against the Royals and was vintage Dallas Keuchel. I mean, that is very encouraging to see, you know, if he can keep up at that pace because the Astros rotation right now, if they can continue to have this offensive outburst scoring seven plus runs a game, 
they are going to be a very, very difficult team to beat. Right. Certainly heading towards 100 wins if they if they keep this up. Oh, they're on pace for, I think, like 105, 106. Yeah, that's, and that, that, that's amazing. Because, yeah. you know, what you don't want is heading to the playoffs with, you know, what, less than 90, right? I mean, that's... Oh yeah, I, yeah. They're they're definitely a ninety-five plus one team, right? Without question. And some teams are headed for historic losing seasons. I was looking at Rangers, the Reds, the, Reds, <laughs> the Rangers. Yeah, some of these, some of the Royals. I mean, they're terrible. But l- 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 let me ask you, as a as a as a baseball as an Astros fan, but a baseball's non fan, when you're looking at the trade deadline, what do the Astros need to do coming up, or and what do you think they will do? I think they need to get a left-handed pitcher a relief pitcher. Um, the guy that they're targeting potentially is Zach Britton. Uh, he came off of an Achilles injury uh, that I, I, I think that he had late last season. Uh, he just came back from the injury. I think he's on the last year of his contract with the Orioles right now. The Orioles are struggling. He's a guy that could be a lockdown pitcher at the end of the uh, the bullpen, You know, potentially a setup guy or a, uh, a closer if needed. Uh, and I don't think the Astros are going to have to give up too many prospects because he's on a, the end of his contract. Uh, so I would look for them to get some help at the end of the bullpen. Uh, offensively, I don't know that we really need much, you know, especially if Marmon continues to hit, especially if Gaddis continues to hit. I think your offense is clicking on all cylinders, and I don't really see much change needed there. Uh, starting rotation, you don't really need anything. I mean, you know, in, in a playoff series, you're only going to pitch four starters. So right now, I think the odd guy out is – believe it or not, Dallas Keuchel. And, you know, maybe he goes into the bullpen for the postseason. Who knows? So that maybe gives you another lefty arm uh, to work with. But I think they are in a very good position heading into the trade deadline with about a month and a half to go. Just my two cents. Now, obviously, Derek and, and Hunter could probably give more and more analysis than I can. But Zach Britton's a guy that I would target. Right. Well, Zach Britton. Take my word for it, Jeremy. Okay, I'm taking your word for it. <laughs> I, 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 I like the sound of his name. So yeah, I can there see we on, go. I can there see we go. Jersey. And, um, uh, you know, speaking of the Astros just on a hot streak right now, I mean, is this not the best time to be a sports fan? I mean, you've got the World Cup going, you've got the U.S. Open, you've got the College World Series, and then baseball. I mean, it, it just, in my opinion, does not get any better than this. Well, the World Cup is funny because... Um, I, I care so little about soccer, even less, even less so that I do any anything baseball related. Even when the Astros are terrible, I care about the World Cup less. Not to mention that the the U.S. team is not in it. Do you right? actually like we sports? Have, <laughs> I do like sports. I, I do like sports. They're they're an interesting distraction when when uh, politics politics isn't exciting. Which right now, I mean, you you really can't uh, turn your eye away because with Trump in the White House, politics yeah. is always exciting. But um, that's your sport politics. Well, okay, but let's 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 talk about the U.S. team for a second because we're not in the World Cup, right? So I have zero. I have zero reason. There's only one person from U.S. that's making headlines right, right now. See, I, and that's I Landon Donovan. Exactly. See, I don't root for another country's team. Yeah, if you're not familiar, Landon Donovan, who <laughs> has a uh, sponsorship with Wells Fargo, is saying, "Well, since the United States is out of the tournament, let's root for Mexico." El Tri, vamos. Okay. Landon Donovan has played for a a Mexican club. That's fine. But Mexico is the biggest rival for United States soccer. It does not make sense to me. I, I, I see that as someone like Derek Jeter saying, okay, the Yankees are out of the playoffs. Let's go Red Sox. Yeah, let's go, let's go Red Sox. Or, um, yeah, do, 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 you, do you see uh, 
let's let's pretend for a second that uh, this is college football. Do you see Texas Aggies bands rooting for UT? Never. No, ever. Even if Aiden was only Big Twelve, never, never would they do that. No, absolutely right. not. So I, I have huge issues with that. But the games early on have been extremely compelling. I mean, you look at uh, Germany losing to Mexico one or nothing. Uh, you you look to Brazil tying Switzerland one to one. Argentina not getting it done. Uh, the miraculous game between Spain and Portugal where uh, Ronaldo had a hat trick. I mean, it's very compelling just through the first weekend of the World Cup. Uh, you know, Iceland, the darling, tying Argentina. I mean, it's it's compelling to watch, even though the United States is not in it. I will tell you what is rough, though, is having to watch these games uh, not in prime time because it's taking place over in Russia. Right. Um, not to mention, I mean... I, if I were if I were thinking like World Cup, there was a story we covered here a couple months ago where we talked about you, you the ability to do drugs at the at the games there. Oh yeah. If I, I were <laughs> if I were going to the World Cup, that's what I would be doing because the game would be so boring. I cannot watch guys kick a ball around for forty five minutes and nothing happen. I just so I much more than that. I I know I, don't like I know what it is except during like the Euro Cup and then the World Cup. Yeah, I just can't do it. Um, to me, watching Ted Cruz and Jimmy Kimmel miss over a hundred shots in no, their celebrity game stop. that was, was a disgrace. To way basketball. more exciting. That was a disgrace of the sport than watching a World Cup match. It was a disgrace to the sport of basketball. You're only excited because Ted Cruz won the game eleven or nine. I, I don't. I really could care less. I was actually impressed um, that he was able to score 11 shots. <laughs> yeah. Well, I for, know, for, for anybody that doesn't know, Ted Cruz and Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, oh, I think everyone knows. They, they challenge each other to a game, or Cruz challenged Kimmel to a game of basketball for support of a non-political charity. To their credit, they both raised a lot of money for Texas Children's Hospital, yeah. and then I forget what the other one was. Yeah. But um, to me, that Let, is way let's more stop interesting. stop talking about terrible basketball. We already witnessed it with the NBA Finals. Am I, am I, am I, am I, do, you, do you have a little bit of PTSD about the Rockets? No. I just, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm all about the NBA I'm still a little sore about right that. I, I was happy to see that the ratings fell for, the, for those last couple of oh, games. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, the last sport that I want to talk about real quick is uh, U.S. Open right now. And, of course, uh, the final round is currently underway. Brooks Kepka, who won the, the U.S. Open last year, is currently at even. Uh, minus three on the day as they head into the, uh, the 17th hole for him. So it's looking like... Uh, you know, with a two-stroke lead over Tommy Fleetwood, who is in the clubhouse right now at plus two, uh, looks like he might actually win back-to-back uh, U.S. Opens. It was kind of interesting. Uh, you know, I think it was Friday after Dustin Johnson was up, you know, minus four, minus five. Uh, I was actually texting uh, w- one of my friends, a, uh, a listener on the show, uh, Travis Brown, and he was saying, you know, we were talking about how we wanted somebody to challenge Dustin Johnson, and he said that would be nice. Maybe Kepka can can actually get it done and this was you know well before he started making his run and then uh just a few moments ago he texted me and he said hope you listen to my last text and put some cash on kepka now he's currently leading the u.s open so if you want gambling advice on golf hit up travis brown on twitter highly recommend it um, are you not a golf fan either jeremy you know i think did um, i just lose you i think i'm gonna go get a latte or something all right <laughs> by the way i saw a meme this week that I thought was kind of you funny. You saw a meme? Yeah. It just it just struck. Uh, it was... So I really like IPAs, right? And I saw a meme and it said, IPAs are the pumpkin spice lattes for males. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. that's absolutely true. There's no way... Well, okay. Uh, here, here's my theory about IPAs. There, there are maybe like... 10 people on the planet that actually enjoy IPAs. Oh, gosh. I love them. See, I, I don't think that most p- 
people actually love IPAs. There's just no way that you can enjoy that that bitter and oh, sour of a beer. It's not sour. It's it's gross. I, I the double I, the, don't get me wrong. Like I, I see the appeal. Like when you've been drinking enough that you just don't care what's coming next. Okay, I can see where. Oh no, IPA. see that's the thing. No, when you've been drinking a lot, you don't want a double IPA. Yeah, see, I, that'll, I, that'll make you forget about everything. Well, that's right. That's my point. Is that when you've been drinking, I'm t- I'm thinking about taste. I'm thinking about like how it hits you. There's nothing. So what's about your go-to IPA. beer? If we're going to a bar right now, what are you ordering? I'm I'm going for the tall blonde wheat beer that is just it's easy goes down easy i don't have to worry about like any nasty aftertaste actually just 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 give me like a michelob ultra that's that's what i'm going for dude you just (laughs) lost all credibility (laughs) on that note no no congratulations on your engagement you're now fired from the weekly brew podcast i know right no it's actually kind of funny i i'm not i'm not against ipas i'm just not the people who that's their go-to. I'm just. I know they're not enjoying it the way that they act That's like they are. That's my go-to. That's disgusting. I always go for the local IPAs. I'll go for an IPA every once in a while. I just. But can't. if I'm on a tailgate, I want like a Dos Equis. Right. Light. Exactly. Yeah. Like a log. Yeah. Like an easy lager. Yeah. Something that's. Yeah. See, I, I love. But those if it's hot outside, I'll go with like a summer pills or something like that. I, yeah. I do love local beers. I love the Christmas ales when they come oh, around. Gosh, Shiner Cheer. So is delicious. Shiner Cheer is like crack cocaine. Should we, you know, I've tried to get breweries to come on the podcast before. Should we just go to a brewery and just start talking to people? Let's do it. I think we should. Let's do it. Let's go to Carbach. All right. People that are really no, nice. No, they sold out. They sold out to Anheuser-Busch. Yeah, but okay. I went there here recently and I asked them about the sellout. And everyone who was working there before the sellout still working there is now. still working there. That's good. The guy said, the guy I talked to, he was like, yeah, man, nothing's changed. We just have better health insurance. Well, here's what we need to do. Next next podcast that I think we record uh, in person, I think we need to go to like Baleson Brewery. It's a small little brewery it's near uh actually where k's lounge used to be uh yeah they've got like six seven beers on tap really cool like small like mom and pop brewery so uh if if you're not familiar with baleson uh definitely check them out uh but man jeremy this podcast was all over the place today but i liked it i liked it it was good i enjoyed it yeah we talked about your engagement talked about the astros talked about north korea you bashed on soccer for just a bit bashed on golf for a bit Bash on my taste of beer for a bit. Well, you, you know, you know, I'm switching to Michelob Ultra because I've got to fit into a tuxedo That's here fair. in like nine, ten months. So, That's fair. I should know. probably do that too. Yeah. <laughs> Let's make a goal. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to have to go to Destination XL for my wedding attire. Okay. <laughs> I need to. I, I need but to hey, deal. <laughs> but if they sponsor you, the one's going to sponsor Destination XL is not going to sponsor my wedding. I don't want to be that big and tall. <laughs> Emphasis on big, tall, tall, tall horizontally. On that note, it's gross. <laughs> on that note, it might be time to wrap up uh, the podcast this week. But uh, if you want to follow our work, just search Weekly Brewcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Also, subscribe to the website at weeklybrewcast.com. And uh, if you want to follow uh, my work or my tweets at ASTATN on Twitter, Hunter Atkins at Hunter Atkins35, uh, Derek Fogel at Fogel Said What, Jeremy Paxton at uh, what, what's your Twitter handle this week? This week, it doesn't change. It never changes. I just bear. Oh, eight. I don't tweet. Don't don't tweet at follow me. him on Instagram. JCP three eleven. That's right. JCP three eleven. Yeah. 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 And then you can go see like engagement photos. One engagement. One photo. engagement photo. I'm going to put up more, though. All right. Stay tuned for that. But Jeremy, yeah. congratulations on getting engaged. Uh, really happy for you and Kara. Uh, it was, it was kind of fun, uh, you know, just kind of reflecting, I was telling the story the other night, actually at a, uh, a bronze quill banquet for, uh, IBC. It's this nonprofit that I part of here in Houston, but I was telling the story about how, uh, when you guys like first met sort of like post Baylor, 
but yeah, you know, with, so, with the fact when she moved into like your apartment complex and you're like, hey, do you know Kara? Like, yeah, I, I, yeah. Actually, it's it's funny. Um, we we met on Craigslist because we were both going to the furry convention at the George R. Brown. <laughs> um, we, we we both. I'm not going to let you slander Kara like that. <laughs> we're both uh, we're both furry. We do the furry thing. All right. So on that note, this has been episode 136 of the podcast. <laughs> Jeremy, always great to have you. Uh, really enjoyed our conversation today. And uh, friends, family out there, we will talk to you again next week. You've been listening to The Weekly Brew. 